What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, congratulations to the Maryland Terrapins. Just about an hour ago, stormed the field there in Hartford, Connecticut at Rensselaer Field as national champions. 9-7 to over the Cornell Big Red. Maryland becomes the first team to go undefeated and win a national title since 2006 Virginia. It's the second time in Maryland history they have done so, also doing it in 1973. It's the fourth title in Maryland history, NCAA-wise, second under John Tillman. Really, really a a storybook ending to a storybook season, but this was one they had to fight for. This was one they had to fight tooth and nail for in this one as Cornell, the final about 20 minutes of the game was all Cornell. It it really was. And you could tell Maryland was dog-tired. Maryland was dog-tired. Connor Busick, man, I I get taking that timeout when he did um, because it did set up that goal, which was called back. And I think it, it looks like it hit the pipe, hit McNaney, and and, and then kind of went in. Um, so it's a no goal on that one. Uh, and, and Piatelli landed in the crease as well. So it's a no goal. I think if it like when I first watched the replay, if it wouldn't have hit McNaney and wouldn't have had that time in the air, it probably would have been called a goal. Um, because it didn't look like if it if it was going on the trajectory it was and would have just gone straight in, it would have been a goal because he didn't land in the goal mouth. He did not land in the crease before the ball would have gone in the back of the net. But because of how it goes, hitting McNaney's leg, it does get waved off. And Cornell gets – I mean, Maryland gets that opportunity. Cornell gets that goal taken away from them, which really would have put things in an even stickier situation there, uh, making it a 9-8 to eight game. It would have helped making a 9-8 to eight game there. So – a really good break there for Maryland. A tough break there for Cornell in the end. This was a game that, that, that I will tell you, like, Maryland did not play their best game. Uh, they, they frankly did not. They didn't play their best game on Saturday against Princeton, and they didn't today either. And I mentioned, you could tell, they were dog-tired. They were dog-tired late in that game, which is why, like, if I'm Busick, I let him go because you know Maryland's tired. You know their legs are exhausted. You could tell it on the TV. Um, and and these guys were were, 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 were jogging. They're, they're trying to run. They were burning. It 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 really was um, you know a situation. But obviously, Maryland gets the win. They survive that. And look, in addition to allowing five goals there, 
And this is crazy. They allowed three goals in the first three periods. One from Coast in the first quarter to open the scoring on, on that strong alley dodge, and he gets one to go there. Another one in the second from Coast, and then they got the one. Who scored the one in the – let's pull this uh, – who scored the one in the third quarter for Maryland? Was that Piatelli? Um, I believe it was. Oh, Aiden Blake. Aiden Blake. That's what it was. Aiden Blake. After that, you have Michael Long, Hugh Kelleher, Spencer Wortham, and John Piatelli all get goals there. Aiden Blake had it off the assist from Piatelli. Late in the third, that sparked that five-goal run in the final 1934 of the game. And they wore Dale Maryland. They wore Dale Maryland. They gave them as best of an effort as they could. Um, look, Maryland was outshot 40-37. to They went 25-30 for 30 in the clearing game. Two of those failed clears came during that final stretch there. Uh, they committed 22 turnovers, 11 of which were caused, but despite all those mistakes and the just clear, you know, tiredness and and exhaustion exhibited by Maryland late in this game, they pull it out. They pull through, they get the 9-7 victory, and they're national champions. The, 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 The really big stretch in this game for Maryland was from the, I believe it was the five, uh, about the 550 mark it was in the first period through what was the uh, 1155 mark of the third. That stretch there, they go nine and one. They go nine and one in, in, through that stretch. They outscored Cornell nine to one. And they were absolutely rolling. Uh, Marvel gets the first off that Jack Lennon feed. And then you have three straight from Anthony DeMeo. And, like, look, you had Gavin. I, I think th- this was something I, I was talking to someone before the game, uh, early on in the game, and I said, you know, Cornell, matchup-wise, this this is not a good matchup for them defensively because Gavin Adler has to take away your best player. And when he does that, they can really stifle your offense. Well, I'll say this. Gavin Adler um, played a good game. Played a really good game. Seven ground balls, two cost turnovers. But here's the thing. Um, who... No, Maryland is not one of those teams where you have one good guy and a bunch of other contributors, if you want to put it that way. This is a team, they move the ball well. Anybody can step up on any any given day. We've said that time and time again on this podcast. I've written that time and time again this season. And it's true. Uh, Anthony DeMeo comes to the show three straight to end the first period. You then Owen, Owen Pabliski off the Anthony DeMeo feed. And we've talked about before, Maryland can get out in transition. It's not something they maybe, you know, want to do or is a style they play, but hey, 
if you want to run and you want to get a transition goal, go for it. Um, you have Roman Pogliski, you have uh, uh, Pogliski, you have Bubba Fairman, you have Jake Higgins. These are all guys that are offensive weapons as well as being defensive midfielders. Logan Wisnowskis is back there. Jonathan Donville is back there. Keegan Kahn. Like, you have so many options. And just having the, that amount of options and the way they move the ball is not a good matchup for this Cornell defense. It just wasn't. And they exploited that. They exploited that as well as anyone um, you know, would have. And you would expect Maryland to do so. On the defensive end, the only matchup that Cornell was really able to win all day, and, and I say the only one they were able to win all day, because they, look, they got the ball movement going late. And I'm not going to chalk all of this up to Maryland being tired because they were. It was a spark from Cornell. It very much was. And you have to tip your hat to Cornell for being able to come back the way they did. But I will say this. If they would have come back in the third quarter, this could have been a different game. Like, instead of Aiden Blake getting that goal at the 434 mark, imagine if they get that at the seven-minute mark or the eight-minute mark or the nine-minute mark, and they have more time to push back in this game. The only matchup, uh, really, that they won on, on a consistent basis, I believe, was C.J. Coast. Was C.J. Coast on, uh, was it on Matt Layhill that he was on, I believe? And, you know, that was really the only matchup that they were able to win all day uh, there was was with Coast. And as a Dodger, Coast was able to get by his man. And, you know, it... For a second there, you, you kind of thought maybe, oh, you might want to put Zapatello on Coast. They, you know, didn't really do that. Uh, but... At the end of the day, Maryland's defense held still. And it is Maryland's defense that helped win this game. This this is a Maryland offense that went under 10 points for the first time all season. And like we got to shout out Luke Wheelman here, 65% of the dot, okay? But we also have to shout out, and we've talked about DeMeo and, and what he did early on in this game, four goals in the first half alone. He had an assist there as well. Second half was not the best game offensively for Maryland. We know that. But defensively, played pretty good. No minus that end. Um, And and even in that end, being able to hold them off there like they did, impressive. And it's Logan McNaney. Logan McNaney is the man of the match, if you will. Like, Logan McNaney is the MVP for this team, is the MVP for this tournament. Um, and I haven't seen if they announced those awards yet. He should be most outstanding player. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal game for um, McNaney. Seventeen saves in the in the day, ten of which came during that first half. However, so he has a better volume in the first half. However. 
his most crucial saves came late in the late in that final thing. From the five within the final six minutes, he made three consecutive saves that were phenomenal and helped keep this Cornell effort at bay. If they don't have McNaney and Cage, and Geppert had two cause turnovers during that final frame as well, I, I should mention. They don't have those those three McNaney saves and those two Geppert cause turnovers late in the game. I don't know if Maryland wins this one. Like, honestly. Those were massive. Those were huge in terms of the trajectory that this game went. The momentum built off of this. And we mentioned, this is a Maryland team that was dog-tired. They were dog-tired. Their defense especially was dog-tired. For McNaney to be able to stand there and make those kinds of plays, phenomenal. Phenomenal, outstanding performance from him. He had 21 on on Saturday. He had 17 today. Championship weekend, he has had his moment. He has had his championship weekend moment. The Terrapins get the national title, and he really is the guy that you have to give a ton, a ton of credit for, for the success on the day here. Now, going over some other, you know, stats here, I I do want to mention Bubba Fairman and, and, and what he did at the defensive midfield spot. One caused turnover and, you know, grabbed two ground balls. But he won his matchups pretty well today. Uh, thought he did well. Thought really mentioned Gepard already. Thought that entire rope unit for Maryland played a pretty dang good game. Played a pretty dang good game. And, like, here's the thing. And, you know, getting out of here in just a second. But, but I kind of want to wrap up with this. And so... Just first off, for all the talk of, like, where does Maryland stack up, I'll have something on that later this week, maybe tomorrow, um, uh, 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 an article about that, um, looking at Maryland and some of these other, uh, the, the 13 other undefeated teams. Um, I would still probably put 1990 Syracuse above them uh, just because of the, I, I feel like that changed the trajectory, that changed the face of the game. If you were the face of the sport, the stylist, stylist, we all of that. Um, but you know, kind of bringing it back to to where we started is the, the matchup loss, and this is a team uh, in Maryland that you really can't play matchup lacrosse against. You like they play team lacrosse, you have to play team lacrosse against them, and and that is what made them really so dangerous, and and. That is the simplest way I can put it because, and I've said this before, I do not have any words for what this Maryland team is. I would have to get out a dictionary, a, a, a um, thesaurus, and look up different words because I, I do not know what to say about this Maryland team. I can say this weekend, offensively, was not the best for them, especially today, was not the best for them. But Logan McNaney played a heck of a game, had a heck of a weekend, 
and congratulations to the Topes. They are in the history books as one of 14 teams to win a national title and be undefeated in the NCAA era. That is a outstanding achievement. That is an outstanding accomplishment. They beat their teams by almost an average of 10 goals uh, a game. I think it was 10 goals a game during the regular season. A, a, a just phenomenal, phenomenal group that John Tillman and his staff put together. And to, to be able to run the table the way they did, I mean, I mean we've, like, we've seen nothing like that. We've seen nothing like that in the past decade. It's truly, truly an amazing feat what they were able to do. For Cornell, they'll be back. Believe it. That that team will will be back. They will be back. Gavin Adler is coming back for uh, a fifth season. Uh, he announced, uh, you know, I I wasn't aware of it. Some other people were, but wasn't widely known. Um, kind of addressed that in the post game. CJ Coast has three years left. A lot of young guys on this Cornell roster. Uh, so you know, again, hats off to them for the effort. Congratulations to Maryland. And that is a wrap on the 2022 college lacrosse season. Check lacrossebucket.com for your latest news and notes as we head into the off season. Uh, but we, I promise y'all, we will not slow down. We're not stopping. Uh, the content continues to be pushed out uh, over the coming uh, weeks and months. Uh, and, you know, by the time fall hits, we'll start looking forward towards 2023. As always, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, means a whole heck of a lot. It's been a fun season. It's been a great season. Uh, record numbers on the podcast, record numbers on the website. Uh, thank everyone who tunes in. Thank everyone who leads uh, for the support and all of that. It means uh, a, a whole lot. It means a whole lot. Uh, so you know, thank y'all. Again, congratulations to the Topes. LacrosseBucket.com. Social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's it for the 2022 college lacrosse season.